Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire, of USA Today Sports Media Group. I'm your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin. I know, guys, it has been a while, a very long while, I think over a month since we last put out a podcast episode of the Bell Ringer. Just life has gotten in the way. Things are just things that just continue to pop up. So I'm going to try to wrap up everything that has happened over the past month, and I'm going to do it with my guy, Nick Fryer from DraftKings. Nick, what's up, man? Hey, I uh, think I know why. For those wondering out there why we, Kai hasn't had a podcast, an episode since, uh, I think it was pre-Hawk Sixers or in the middle? is because In the I middle of it. It was in the middle of, of it. Okay, but I said that the Hawks were going to win that series, and lo and behold... Ugh. I, I, I mean, sometimes I like being right. Sometimes I don't. This time I actually do like being right. I'll be completely honest with you. I, did, I didn't think the Hawks had any shot at, at beating Philadelphia. I just didn't. I, I didn't think that the Hawks were just going to do it. It's, it's fair. Look, I mean, with Joel Embiid at his full strength and everything, 100%, I would have I gone, um, gone with the Sixers. But I think people are now – like Ben Simmons also got exposed in this series, even more so. I mean, I feel like he's already kind of been, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I, there's, we have to – we also have to eat crow on something else today, too. We do. We do. We're going to start there. We are going to eat crow on the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are the 2021 NBA champions. They knocked off the Phoenix Suns in game six on June, uh, excuse me, July 20th, 105 to 98. Some Milwaukee Bucks, man, win their first title in 50 years. 5-0. Last time they won was in 1971, and they were led by Lou Alcindor. He wasn't even Kareem yet. He didn't even change his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yet. He was still Lou Alcindor, and they had Oscar Robertson and, and you know, all, all, all them boys getting it done uh, for the Bucks that year. So the Bucks knock off the Suns, Nick, and, uh, I mean, listen, hell of a run. Giannis Antetokounmpo was sensational the mm-hmm. entire series. Drew Holiday was up and down offensively, but he was really great defensively. And then um, the same goes for Chris Middleton. You know what I've noticed, Nick, when it comes to Chris Middleton? I don't know if you saw this meme. Somebody said he's either Kyle Kuzma or he's prime MJ. You know, the, 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 there's no there's no in between with Chris Middleton. So I, I love that. That's great. I hadn't seen that. You know, the, the meme that I saw that I absolutely loved was uh, someone pointed out how PJ Tucker went through all his Rockets teammates in order yeah. to get to the championship because it was Paul, James Harden, Clint Capella, and uh, I think Trevor Rizzo was the other one, whatever. Yeah, but like Rizzo, the other yeah. three, it's like whole like, – Golden Paul, that is awesome. I love it. I love PJ Tucker. And you know what, Kai? As much as I like being right a lot of the time, I also don't mind sometimes when I'm wrong. And I was wrong to fall for this, the anti-Yandis rhetoric. I know that, yes, it helped that the Nets were in a position with injuries and that kind of screwed them. I think I don't think anybody's going to argue against the fact that if the Nets were at full strength, we probably have a different champion at the end of the year. Um, the, the NBA Finals probably looks a lot different um, in a few ways. But Still, I don't want to hear from people at the end of it all, like, you know, in a couple of years, oh, well, Giannis didn't win a real, real championship. I mean, he beat the Phoenix Suns. The Suns were legit as hell. We both thought the Suns were going to win coming into this. Yeah, I thought Phoenix was going to beat Milwaukee in six. Like, I, I will say this because I agree with you. If, if Durant, Irving, and Harden are healthy, Brooklyn, Brooklyn would have won that series easily, in my opinion, just because Brooklyn made it look so easy to start that series. Mm-hmm. Um, I think – I think they won game one only by eight points, but I'm pretty sure they had a sizable lead and this Milwaukee kind of, you know, just what happens about the game, you just cut it. And then in game two, I mean, Brooklyn blew them out and they, they didn't have, you know, Harden really for either of those games. Harden only played the one minute in game one. 
And then the, you, you lose Kyrie in game three to that awful ankle injury. I mean, that he, his ankle touched the floor. I was like, brutal. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. We're going to talk about that, man. I have two vit, like my, my, my imagination just pops in my head. I can see it now. Don't do that to me. <laughs> with, I apologize. I apologize. With, with the, but like with that whole sentiment of like, oh, you know, in three years, Mike, let's say Giannis hasn't won one, another one in like three or four years. First of all, right. he won. Like it happened. It's over. It's done with. You can never take that away from him or this team. He the other thing right. is they're not a fucking super team like it's no. no no like chris middleton as much as like he can you know it's like mj or kyle kuzma sure I don't, i'm not gonna argue with that i think it's a great way to put it um and drew holiday is a great piece that the nets wanted to add too but i guarantee you if the nets went and added drew holiday in the offseason instead of the bucks they're still gonna they still want james harden look at how much they changed that team so right. this is it's Giannis, and that's it so I, I, like you can, and you can look across history, at least the, like since, I don't know, since LeBron came into the league, if not sooner. And you can say, well, you know, this happened and these guys were around and like, you know, they, they went and buddied up somewhere else or there were injuries this year, yada, yada, yada. Like people could probably say something about the Pistons year, I'm sure. But it's like, it doesn't matter. They still had to do it. Somebody still has to win at the end of it all. So like, I don't, I, I will never, ever take away from Giannis's title if this is his only title that he ever gets because it, it was tough obviously another weird year uh, in terms of health for everybody across the board the COVID stuff was still an issue throughout the course of the season and again like the Phoenix Suns were legit coming out of the west I was very impressed with this team and I feel I do feel a little bad for Chris Paul I know you really have to feel for Chris Paul you really do this guy 16 years in the league he's a top five point guard of all time he's going to go to the hall of fame mm-hmm. And he finally has his shot at winning a championship. He's finally in the NBA finals and the Suns go up two games to none. And really they made it look easy that in the first two games too, they, they, they legit made it look easy. And then Milwaukee pulls off four straight. And you know, it kind of reminded me, it did remind me of the 06 Miami heat a little bit when Miami went down 0-2 to Dallas and Dwayne Wade went off. In this case, Giannis was the one that went off. I mean, he was he was absolutely scintillating, like in, in my opinion, like all four games. And then in game six, to deliver 50 points, 14 rebounds, five blocks in the clincher, you know, at home to win a championship, give him a ton of credit. That that yeah. was that, that Giannis Antetokounmpo was great. The man <laughs> earned it, and it was against a, a tough team like that was what i liked about the sun so much they were a tough team i mean it wasn't just you have talented players there of course but where we look at the bucks and you have that one superstar still a team but it's a little bit different the way their their makeup and everything but yeah look i will admit i've never been a chris paul guy he i got i like what he did in Oklahoma city last year, I had a ton of respect for that and the effort that he put forth and how that team looked, you know, get where they were going into the postseason and everything. I just thought he was going to give up and the man did not. And I, I gotta be honest, like as much as I liked Giannis, as much as I was doubting him, you know, we're, we, in our conversations, I have always liked Giannis, but right. I, I wanted to see Chris Paul get it. And I'm not a Devin Booker guy either. Never have been, but I wanted to see Chris Paul get it because the dude has like, in, in opportunities where he kind of got kicked to the side, he has gone and made, made a lot of them in his last two seasons. I really hope he gets that one ring before he goes, uh, you know, before he retires. But, um, but yeah, I, I will admit fully, like I've never been a Chris Paul guy, but damn, man, he has, like, he's, I feel like he's earned everybody's respect. Like a lot of people probably had, he already had their respect, but like, if you don't like Chris Paul at this point, like at all, or at least have his respect, I guess, respect right. for him, I think you got to look inward. Cause he's done a lot. Yeah. I mean, Chris Paul, Chris Paul was, 
Yeah, he, he really had an incredible season. It just it sucks so bad that you know he, he's two wins away. You think the Suns are going to cruise to this championship, and you know I had here's how I had it going. I had like I was going to go Suns, Suns, Bucks, Bucks, Suns, Suns. I like I, I thought mm. I thought that's how this thing was going to go, but and then in Game Five, you know that steal from Drew Holiday at the end, and then throwing a perfect lob to Giannis to throw it down and pretty much seal that Game Five win on the road, and then coming back home in Game Six and getting the job done really was. You have to give them a ton of credit. You really do. And when you look at Milwaukee, you look at the run that they had. Um, I thought they kind of I thought they had the perfect storm for them. You know, they run into a Miami Heat team round one that I thought was better than what they showed. I think it's just because Miami, you know, they had a really short offseason. Um, plus, they had, a, they had a slew of injuries. They also had to deal with a lot of covid shit throughout the whole year mm-hmm. and they were in my opinion like the heat are a much better team than what they showed like the heat aren't a six seed in my opinion the heat you know were better than what they showed um and i think we're going to see that next year when they get a full off season um then you run into brooklyn yeah i'm no, sorry yeah yeah then you run into brooklyn i thought the nets were if the, and again I, I fully believe if the nets were healthy i think they win but they weren't. It is what it is. And game seven was a tough freaking game, man. Game seven on the road in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant makes that crazy shot to force overtime. If my man wore a size 18 shoe instead of size 18 and a half or whatever he wears, you know, that's a game winning three. But and listen, it is what it is. The Bucks moved on. Then the Eastern Conference Finals, you run into the upstart Atlanta Hawks, who, you know, surprised the hell out of everybody. And remember, the Hawks won game one. The Hawks went in there and took game one behind Trey Young and everything. And, you know, Milwaukee had a battle back from that as well. Then down 0-2 to Phoenix, battle back from that as well. It's just, it was just, in my opinion, like, like a hell of a run um, yeah. like, like for the Bucs this year. I thought it was just a really impressive postseason kind of throughout. Yeah, and look, bad, like good luck and bad luck is going to happen throughout the course of the postseason to every team. And the, obviously the, the biggest example of that is what happened with the Nets and Kevin Durant um, in that that one shot that he hit, but it's just, you know, you needed a little like half inch back and then it's, it, you know, changes the course of history and everything. But that happens with every team. Some right. things are just more obvious than others. So again, like that's another thing where you could look at and say, oh, well, Giannis, if that doesn't happen, then Giannis still doesn't have his ring or whatever. Maybe. But that's not how it happened in the end. And you can probably look at there. Look, there are some titles where it's like, okay, yeah, like maybe some of the Miami Heat ones, some of the the Golden State Warriors ones that they didn't need a whole hell of a lot of luck. But you know, when still when you're the the favorite, everybody's gonna bring their A game. And the big difference too, guys, you, you talk about the Hawks at the end of it all. I know they were not necessarily in the same position as the Heat the year prior, but it was pretty similar. Like you having that one team that's going on this crazy run seemingly out of nowhere they should they don't like you know you would have thought you know most years they would have lost to the um the Sixers you wouldn't think necessarily that they beat the Knicks it's right sweep the Knicks beat the Knicks one thing but sweep them is another they just, thing they, they didn't sweep them New York what New York oh, got a game gentlemen's sweep okay yeah, so gentlemen's sweep, sweep. I still look I didn't say like going into that series where that's the four or five game it was like all right well it, it could go either way I didn't necessarily I didn't take either of them seriously I just thought okay whoever wins that series is going to get smacked the next round obviously right. very different and this time around Giannis is faced with that same team again you're not necessarily always going to face that hot team in the postseason sometimes like the gas runs out too quickly he still had to face them again and this time around he didn't like he did not allow that to happen he and his teammates for that matter um and that's to me like where this is a, a huge year for growth for him obviously he gets the title now I want to see can he do this again because I would love for the Eastern Conference to not just be like 
okay, yeah, the Nets are the favorite going into next year. I know, I think the Bucks technically are the favorite, but we all view the Nets as the favorite out of the East. But I would love it to not be a one-two, you know, horse race. I would love it to be the Sixers, the the Celtics, the Nets, and the Bucks, and the and the Heat, and maybe even the Hawks trying to scratch and claw for that, um, for that respect. Because I like that's that's what, that's the Western Conference chooses. We need the East to be that too. Right, and 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 you just brought up the Sixers. You know, that does kind of beg the question now, though. Like, how do the Sixers? catch up to the Haw- uh, to the Bucks and and uh, the Nets and, and even the Hawks even because I mean the Hawks are able to get it done and I think Nick you know we're, we can get to Ben Simmons in, in, in a hot in a hot minute mm. but I think the biggest thing Philadelphia continues to miss and it's something that has plagued them throughout the whole Simmons and Embiid era they need a shot creator they, they, they need a guy who can break down a defense and either get to the basket or, or you know, hit a tough, tough jumper. Uh, and also a go-to guy down the stretch. They had that in Jimmy Butler. They mm-hmm. had that in Jimmy. Um, but, you know, obviously he left. And Tobias Harris, I thought, did a, took a huge step forward this year in terms of being that go-to guy and in terms of being able to create his own looks. But at the same time, you can't just have just one. If you look at the Bucks, they had Chris Middleton. Um, Gian- Giannis even was out here like you know creating his own look either he's getting fouled or he was knocking down a tough or finishing a tough layup at the basket there was always something that Giannis was doing on the offensive end of the floor and uh, you know e- even even before he got hurt DiVincenzo was another guy Dante DiVincenzo was another guy who was making big plays so the Sixers miss they miss shot creation they miss go-to guy down the stretch that's gonna be something that they're got to figure out in the offseason before next season begins yeah, and I mean, you have a guy who you can try and move to maybe get someone who's who is like that, um, that maybe is looking for a change in scenery. And of course, Damian Lillard's a guy that's out there, right? You know, you know, he's been linked to the Sixers in some capacity, but I don't think anybody realistically expects him to be moved this offseason. It could happen still. Of course, there's like frustration right with the coaching situation and in the hiring and whatnot. And I, I, I can understand. Look, I give a lot of star players, uh, we, we give them crap for, you know, being divas about stuff. But Damian Lillard, as much as, you know, he is like out doing other stuff, like, you know, in the rap game and everything, he's not somebody that I would necessarily label as a diva. Now, I also like the player a lot, too, so that may help. But when you're talking about star players and looking at making a coaching change, I like it doesn't matter what sport it is. I can understand if you wanted to consult the players that you're talking to. I mean, the, the important players on your team to talk about your, like the coaches that you're talking to, you need to, like, you would want them to kind of have an idea, have a feel for the guy um, and have an opinion on him. And if they don't like him, then that's an issue. And if you don't include them at all, especially in basketball, if you're not including Damian Lillard in that process, I can understand why he wouldn't want to be there. Um, and that look for, I think for any team, that's a huge ad. And if you could move Simmons to get him, and I mean, that's a big, that'd be a big if, and I would really question the Blazers making that move, but I still don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. If the, if the Blazers are serious about moving Damian Lillard. Well, I think the Blazers are actually 29th in league at defensive rating. Like, like, so, and Simmons is a guy who at 25 years old has made it all defensive first team twice in a row. Mm. So Simmons is a guy who would give that team a huge boots on the defensive end, whether it's out on the perimeter or even down low in the paint. Um, just even using his 6'10 frame to bother, you know, opponent's shots or, or, or anything of that nature. So I, I look at Simmons and I feel like he'd be a, a very nice fit in Portland just because of how, uh, how much of a menace he is on the defensive end of the floor. And then the, and the Blazers just, they, they need somebody like that. Um, 
it won't push them back into the title conversation in the West. Nope. But it Still would also, guy. yeah, it just it, it would also kind of give both Simmons and Lillard a little bit of a change of scenery. I think Simmons needs a change of scenery in Philadelphia. I mean, like this, that, that's just me. I, I think Simmons has kind of got to he's got to get out of here, maybe get a change of scenery, get his life, I guess, career back on track. Because Ben Simmons, to me, Nick, I still believe he's like a top 25 player in this game. Like, I believe that there's a lot that this kid can do. The other thing is, though, he it, we can't deny it anymore. He is a detriment out there on the offensive end of the floor in the playoffs, and you saw it in the Atlanta series. 34.2% from the foul line for the entire postseason. Um, I think he I think he only averaged 9.9 points against Atlanta. And I think he only took um like six, six shots per, per game in you know in, in the in the series with the Hawks. And it's just because you know that's not a star player. Like I'm sorry, not, you're not you're, yeah, you you're took six star. shots. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's because he was struggling so bad from the free throw line that it messed with him mentally, and all of a sudden he wasn't as aggressive as uh, as he should have been. Yeah, you, you, I'm sorry. You're taking six shots a game. In like no world are you a def- are you a, are you an all star if you're taking six shots a game throughout the entirety of a regular season. No way you deserve that honor. So I mean, this is a guy who, like you said, you, people look at him as a top twenty five guy. Some maybe better, some maybe a little bit worse. Whatever. But it's like he you're just you are a like a not not a black hole because that, that would imply something else but like you just don't do anything on the offensive end and he's gonna hurt whoever brings him on on that end of the floor but i do i do agree kai like that may help him a change scenery. honestly it, i can't imagine it would hurt him because he's I, I i could easily see at the end of it all it's he doesn't he just didn't jive with joel and beat if that could be it or it could just be he couldn't handle the pressure in philly look philly new york Boston and then you know in that like just in general those are tough places to play whatever sport you're playing in um and then there are some other cities that can be tougher but like it, like I think that there are some guys who can handle it and just some guys who can't no matter how good you are you just can't do it it brings your level of play down some guys who are middle of the road guys it can elevate their play Ben Simmons I just don't think is a guy who can play in one of those major markets yeah I, I don't know I just like, like maybe maybe the pressure of having to win in Philadelphia and, you know, the pressure of the fact that this team went through the process and you were the number one overall pick in 2016, the, the fact that you've come up short in the second round three of the past four years, it just it, it continues to kind of be a big thing. And, and, and I, I try to warn people heading into this postseason that, sure, Philadelphia is going to get by round one easily because they're going to play the eight seed. But once you get to round two, you're playing a better team that is a better defensive team, a, a team that understands – you know, the scouting report and strengths and weaknesses and everything in between. It, it happens in round two every single season. Ben Simmons' round two numbers compared to his round one numbers are, are just it's it's a stark, stark difference Uh-oh. in terms of his offense. In terms of well, I mean, because think about it. In 2018, his rookie year, remember they beat Miami in five, then they played Boston, and Simmons had that one point game in game two because mm. because the Celtics, you know, they figured him out. 2019, right? He plays well against Brooklyn round one. And this and this is D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Brooklyn, not Durant Irving in them. Plays well. Then round two, you go up against Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors. And again, his aggressiveness and his numbers go down. 2020, he was injured. Didn't play in the playoffs. This year, played well in round one against the Wizards. But then you see it again, that, that dip in round two, this time against the Atlanta Hawks. So it's kind of like when, when you're going up against a team that knows how to play defense and knows how to, 
figure out ways to stop you. You know, things get different in round two, man. He just, and and he, he doesn't know how to figure it out just yet. So you brought up Dinwiddie, by the way. Like, you talk about a guy who can help create shots. He'd be a good guy oh, off yeah. the bench. Help yeah. on the defensive end, too. Because, I mean, look, he it's funny. He, he plays point guard, and he can play the off guard, too. But he's, like, he's 6'5". Like, he's right. he can handle some bigger dudes. Um, and he moves. Well, you know, we got to see how he looks coming off the ACL stuff. But he can move around the floor. Um, wherever he ends up, you know, I know price tag is going to be – tough you know for some teams i mean he's because he's a legitimate like six man of the year candidate now the way he's like developed over the past few years but that would be a guy who you add him you add if you added a little or whoever you add in place of ben simmons because i don't think he's going to be staying in philadelphia um whoever yeah, you add so in place either. of that that would be now you had two shot creators and one of them's coming off the bench he can play for you at the end of the game but he provides a huge boost um you know more ways than one on the floor so yeah but 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 yeah with um with the simmons stuff that is that's bad when they like when it's that obvious with the, the the round numbers where you see that huge dip. That's just that's very telling, Kai. And I just can't help but wonder by the end of it all if it's going to be if Ben Simmons is going to. I think in Philadelphia he's just he's going to go down as a bust. I mean, unless they went and go and win this year, I wouldn't say a bust. I, I feel like that'd be a bit too far, just because he he has made an All NBA team too. He made All All NBA third team in twenty twenty. Okay, and like he's made three All Star games. And he's made an all defensive first team twice. So I wouldn't say bust. I would just, I would say disappointing. I would say disappointing just because he could have, he, like, he should be doing more, in my opinion. Fine. And, and, and that's and, fair. I mean, that's, that's a fair point. But I guess, like, like we talked before this, before the postseason and how I was as much as like, you know, my, well, I was not raised to ever feel good about the Philadelphia 76ers. Right. I objectively felt really good about them going into this postseason. And, and look, the, what happened with Joel Embiid, obviously that is a huge issue. And I don't think even the, the Nets could have necessarily beaten the, the I mean, sorry, the, the Sixers could have beaten the Nets even with um, their injuries because Joel Embiid's thing was such a huge issue. I could be wrong, but guess right. what? They, they didn't have the chance to do that. And a big reason for that is Ben Simmons. And that's the problem. Like, we talk about the Bucks and how it's like, and it's Giannis. And then as much as Middleton can be so good some nights, there's a pretty big drop off to your number two guy. It's the same. It's proven to be the same thing with the Sixers, where if you don't have Joel Embiid, then you're screwed. Right. And I think the, and like another thing is too, I, I hate to bring him into this, but Doc Rivers, I mean, this oh. is beginning, this is kind of beginning to become a trend a little oh. bit. And um, I, I know you saw that graphic on ESPN of like all the, the biggest blown leads in the postseason for the past like 10 years or whatever. I mean, think about it. Up 26 at home in game five, lose. Um, and then they were up 18 on the road in game four against Atlanta and they lose it. Go back to his last year with the Clippers. I think they were up 18 in, in the fourth quarter of game four or something like that. And they blew it to Denver. I think they were up big in game five, too, and they blew that one. Oh, game five and game six, I should say, not game four. They won game four. But game five and game six, they had leads, and they blew it. Um, and then they're up 3-1 in 2015 against Houston, blow it. Um, they lost to Josh Smith of the Houston Rockets in game six at home. Harden was on the bench. Let me repeat that. They lost to Josh Smith. This man was making three-pointers. Rockets came back and win. So – I look at Doc, and he hasn't been past round two, Nick, since 2012 with the Celtics when they lost in the conference finals to Miami. That's the last time Doc Rivers has been past round two. 
So, so it's something to where, listen, Doc, I, I mean, we got to look at you, man. This is this beginning to become a trend a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, I still think Doc Rivers deserves a couple more years in Phoenix because – Or he, Philadelphia. Sorry, Philadelphia. Peace. It's all the same <laughs> shit. Um, but it, no, but seriously, he deserves a couple more years in Philadelphia because – For sure, for he, sure. Like he went and turned things around and Embiid took a huge step forward. And obviously the frustrations with Brett Brown and everything. But I'll tell you what, with with Doc, like – if you talk to a, like a, someone who was a fan of the Celtics from, um, you know, what the was it, 08 or 07 to um, to the end to 2012, you look back on that era and it's like, yeah, you, of course, you're going to have always going to have love for Doc and that team and you know, appreciate Danny Ainge for the team that he the trades he was able to pull off. But at the same time, it's hard not to look back at that era and say, well, that's great that they won one and that will always be awesome. But like, they probably should have won two. They did make it there. Was it one other time? And 2010. I, yeah. yeah. And, I, and look, I, I will, I will, till the day I die, say the refereeing in that game six was bullshit. And I don't say I, that's the only game that I ever look back on. And it was blown out. The Lakers won by like 25. It was not that game, if I'm not mistaken. There was a game that was bullshit. And I'm telling, I'm, I thought it was that, that game. Either way, Kai, still, how do you, like, you look back on it, it's like, hmm. I know injuries kind of came on later. There was the moving perk, what did not go over well um, for, for Jeff Green. So, like, I, I understand some of that stuff, but also like, you got to look at Doc. Like, it's only one ring in that that stretch. So, yeah, I think it's very fair um, to say that. Like, you got to start examining him. That said, I still think he deserves at least two more years in Philadelphia. I don't want to put him on the hot seat yet, but if things don't go better next year, barring injuries. I think it's fair for Daryl Morey to start like looking around and considering who his options could be beyond that would be what the 2022-23 season. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not saying Doc needs to be fired. I'm not saying Doc should go or needs to retire or anything crazy like that. I'm just saying I feel like some blame does deserve to go to him. And I think for a couple of reasons. In game one against Atlanta, I mean, the, the all bench lineup was crazy. You don't go with an all bench lineup in round two of the playoffs. Um, I don't I don't care like if the guys got off to a tough start. They went from being down 10 to being down 26 in a matter of like two minutes because Doc went with an all bench lineup. And like that whole thing was just awful. Even in game seven, he went with a lineup of Tobias and four bench players in a game seven in round two of the playoffs Tobias and four bench players it just it shouldn't happen it should not happen like to me Nick that's coaching malpractice yeah to to have you know those type of lineups out there in round two of the playoffs because you don't you don't see that from other coaches you see other coaches actually shorten their rotation but just it kind of seemed that Doc just continued to stick with the same rotations over and over again even though in the playoffs this you shouldn't do it that way Mm -hmm. you know Doc his 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 era of success was from was a different time a different time like in the world different time in the sport you had a different like the players were built uh raised a little bit differently and that tough love kind of stuff where you send a message of like i'm gonna start the bench guys because you starters look like dog shit right now right i don't think that that necessarily played like you have to have a certain type of team like maybe with the jimmy butler group maybe that would resonate but i can't even say with certainty that that would necessarily go over well with him it's just it doesn't sit that that's something that's not gonna work with guys and you see obviously where it didn't work out with him Kawhi, and um well ultimately him and paul george like i i understand like like that's it was just one year 
That's it. It was that bad that it only lasted that one year and then he's gone. So I, I just, I think that, yeah, it's like, you have to, like doc should be asking questions about himself too. Like he should be like, are there ways that I can improve? Um, because you're right. It does fall on him. There are some mistakes. Like there's some dumb mistakes that he makes. And then there are some that it's like, what the shit was that? Yeah. Cause there are too many. And I felt like there were too many in the Atlanta, in the Atlanta series really. And, and especially when Danny green went down, um, and they miss Danny Green. That's another thing. A lot of people need to kind of throw some respect on Danny Green's name. They actually miss Danny Green a lot. Like once he went down in game three, I kind of thought about it. And I, and I was just like, you know what? Like that's going to be a huge, mm. huge, huge loss because not only can Danny Green st- stretch the floor, he's also a huge voice in the huddles and on the, and out on the floor. And he's also a very good perimeter defender. The thing is, though, everybody's just going to remember him getting torched by Trey Young game one as if Trey Young is one of the quickest, brightest stars in the game and Danny Green's in his 30s. So, I mean, of course that shit was going to happen. So cut it out with that. Danny Green's just, no, I'm with you. Like Danny Green's just one of those guys that social media likes to have fun with because of like whatever happened to him in like in a Lakers series driver. The man's been on a few winning teams and guess what? He's helped those teams win. Exactly. Exactly. So miss me with all that. We don't need Danny Green nonsense. I've been hearing from fans lately. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. And then again, we go back to Doc. He turned a fork the Furcon Corkmas in his mm-hmm. place. And I understand he really didn't have any other choice. It was either him or Matisse Thibault. And if you throw with if you go with Matisse, the Hawks are going to double off Matisse all day long and just double Joel. And you know, then on the other end, if you go with Furcon, Furcon's going to get hunted on the defensive end of the floor. But Furcon also wasn't making his threes. And it's just like, it's just like Furcon, again, what do you do if you're not making your threes? What do you do? You don't, like, what do you bring to the floor? And Furcon really doesn't bring a lot when it comes to his shooting. He's a free agent this offseason. I would be, I'd, I'd be surprised if Sixers bring him back. Like, I think, I think we've seen the last of Moss in Sixers uniform. Um, but Danny Green is a free agent as well. And again, I feel like the Sixers, they, they had, they should at least try and bring Green back. That one might be a tough one for them to get back though, because that personally, if I'm built, trying to build like a winning, you know, a franchise, a winning franchise, like your title contender, Danny Green is the kind of guy that you want to add because he's been there before and he can still contribute to like, like on the floor, they're, like it's twofold with this guy and you don't have a, a whole lot of players where, yeah, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. There are some guys like where, they, they helped win a title and like, like perk, right? Like he helped win a title in Boston and then he goes to Phoenix and he's supposed to be like that veteran voice and whatever. Sure. But like the, the amount of impact that he makes is limited. Did he still make a difference? Absolutely. It was still a loss for the Celtics when he got traded to OKC. Right. That said, Danny Green is a guy who has won multiple times and has contributed multiple times and he can do it on both ends of the floor. That is very unique. He is a unique role player and a, and a vital veteran in this league. So I wouldn't be stunned if he's not in a Sixers uniform next year. And that's not like on the Sixers. I would just think that he'd be a desirable asset for most teams. Yeah. I mean, like, I, honestly, like I would, I think the Sixers, they, they got to bring Danny Green back. And then I, I guess I like, kind of going back to, to a possible Ben Simmons trade. I mean, listen, if, if you can, trade Ben Simmons for a Damian Lillard, but then have to include other pieces. I mean, listen, you do it uh, because there are the only untouchable player on this roster is Joel, but you can trade Tyrese Maxey. I promise you, you can, it's okay. Sixers fans. It's okay. You can trade Tyrese Maxey. It's all right. You can trade, you can trade a Matisse Thibel. You can trade, you know, a Seth Curry or a Tobias Harris to, in order to bring Damian Lillard here. Cause I will say this, Nick, if the Sixers do get Dame Lillard, and team him up with Joel. Let's just play hypotheticals here. If oh. they get Damon Joel, 
um, I'll be honest with you. I think I, I don't know if I would put them on the same level as Brooklyn. I don't know if I'd put them ahead of Brooklyn, but I'm telling you right now between Dame's ability to knock down long range shots, the ability to have the guts to step up and hit any, any clutch shot imaginable combined with Joel Embiid's ability to get to the free throw line and be a big, you know, piece and asset around the basket that that would be a, a, perfect duo in my opinion yep and it's going to be a huge culture change too if if damian lillard it winds up in philadelphia too oh my god yeah yeah of course yeah i, I would have them on the same level I, like it, it, right now the eastern conference is a two-horse race uh comfortably i think there are two teams that are you know a head and shoulders above everybody else going into next season and if damian lillard and joel Embiid are on the same team in Philadelphia, then that then becomes a three horse race, and I could see any of them winning it because that that is a, that's a joke. Because again, the Bucks, I mean the Bucks, well, neither team has a way to stop Joel Embiid. And then when it comes to Damian Lillard too, I mean, you know, the Nets have a lot of guys, and Drew Holiday, of course, is a stud from from Milwaukee on the defensive end. But I mean, Damian Lillard is a tough bastard to stop. Exactly, and and he would provide the much needed shot creation and go to scoring that they have really have missed for the majority of the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid era. They don't have a guy who can break down a defense the way Damian Lillard can and get to the basket or knock down a tough fadeaway jumper or just anything. that They don't have a guy to that ability. Improves Tobias Harris and infinitely, too, if, you, if you're able to keep yeah, that. Listen, that, too. And Tobias had a hell of a year. Tobias was really terrific this year, but even he, you kind of saw shades of the old Tobias a little bit in, in round two against Atlanta. I don't, I don't want to get too deep into this, but in round two against Atlanta, scoring four points on two for 11 shooting in game five. Um, and, then, and then in game six, I know he had 24, or excuse me, game seven. I know he had 24 points, but he shot eight for 24. And I, I, he missed like eight, he missed like four or five layups. So that's eight to 10 points off the board that Philadelphia really missed. And so it was just like Tobias, you know, he, but he had a hell of a year though. Like I'm not going to take anything away from Tobias Harris. Tobias um, Harris is supposed to be your three at best on a, on a winning team. So if right. you're asking him to do more than that, then he's, you're putting him in a position to fail. And in right. Simmons is, was not holding up his end of the bargain and Joel dealing with an injury. So, I mean, like he's in a position where it's like everybody else is in a tough position after that. The trickle down effect was felt. I mean, it's, and that's part of why, again, I wanted, I was taking the Hawks going into that series because I just felt Embiid was dealing with too serious of shit. So yeah, but no, I, I mean, I still think I would think if, in my mind, you might have to get rid of Harris to get Lillard on top of, you know, getting rid of Simmons. But I, w- I think that's a winning combination if you have Harris as your third guy. If you can keep Harris, that'd be huge because then yeah. you can go because you can go Dame, Joel, Tobias. Tobias is a guy who can go for between 16 to 20 points every night, possibly even 25 to 30 when he's on, when he's on, in a groove. Yeah. And we saw that in this postseason, in all honesty. Yeah. And, and then also an, another thing is, is it's like when you look at, just I look at Damon Joel, Nick, and I, and I, I don't know if Brooklyn can really can really stop that just because Joel will eat up every single Nets big that they have, whether mm-hmm. whether they bring back Blake Griffin or whether it be DeAndre Jordan, like whoever, Joel will chew each of, each of those guys up and spit them out. Like he makes it look so easy. So, I mean, if they can get Damon Joel, I'm telling you, like, like that, that, that's, that's a, a duo that I would – Sixers could probably really get back on track for an Eastern Conference title. Yeah, it's a big if. That's the only problem that it comes down to. And the the fact that Simmons wants out obviously helps your situation, but you need to like that is going to dictate what this like this move is going to dictate what the Sixers look like as a contender for 
the next however long Joel Embiid's under contract and maybe beyond that. Because if you can't get a piece that Joel likes, then you're in trouble. Because how are you going to keep him around like beyond that? And how are you going to contend for the remainder of Joel's contract too? Because another thing is one final thing to really kind of think about, Nick, is it's like Joel's 27 and he's already been through, you know, a bunch of different injuries, things like that. How long is his body going to hold up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long, how long is his body going to hold up? Even though he's only 27, he's still obviously very young, but Joel is in, is in win now mode. Joel mm-hmm. is in win now mode. So you can't, you can't wait for, for Ben to come up with a jump shot or to Ben for Ben to figure out his offensive woes and his free throw shooting woes and things like that. And Simmons makes a huge impact on the floor. He creates shots for everybody else on that offense and he's an elite defender. But he is a huge detriment come playoff time. We've seen it over time and time again. This isn't just a one-time thing. We saw it against Boston in 2018, Toronto in 2019, Atlanta this year. And and just and like, you know, it probably would have been the same against Boston again in 2020 in the bubble, if we're going to be completely honest with you. Um, so like, like that's always that's always a really just big, big thing come playoff time. This isn't a one-time thing. This is a trend. So you need to kind of – you need to figure out what to do in order to help Joel Embiid win right now. That's just the way I kind of see it. So, Nick, tell everybody where they can find you at, man. You can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore Fryer. And, of course, you can read all my sports betting advice over on DraftKings, DK Nation, um, over on the playbook side of things. Also, everybody, thank you so much for reading over at SixersWire.com. You can always find us over on there. Make sure you check us out on a- Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your uh, your podcast network at. Um, Sixers Wire readers, we hit two and a half million views in June. We're, at, we're up over a million and a half in July. So I want to thank you all so much for supporting the site, continuing to read our stuff. And um, I, I hope that we can continue to pump out Sixers content for you uh, as time goes on. So thank you so much for that. So, Nick. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate you a lot. Always. Of course. All right. And that's and that'll do it. That's going to wrap it up here on the bell ringer. We're out. We'll see you guys next time.